Can a Japanese person teach a black American how to dance? Or about hip hop dance culture? Yeah, they can. And I'm living proof of that. My name is Isom Winton, and I'm your main host for the ABCD, AKA All Black People Can't Dance podcast. I've been living in Japan now for the past 17 years, and in 2007, I had the opportunity to come across the Tokyo Street dance scene. This podcast will take you on a journey of my experiences and the people I've met along the way that have taught me about dance, about hip hop, and ultimately about black culture. Tune in to bi-weekly audio and video episodes as we take you on this journey of past, present, and future hip hop dance, and street culture. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the ABCD, aka All Black People Can't Dance podcast. I'm your host, Isom Winton, and I'd like to take this opportunity in this episode to introduce myself and give you a little bit of background of who I am and where I come from that can basically lead us into the next episodes and full story of where we're going with this podcast. So again, uh, my name is Isom Winton. I was born in Kansas and I basically live throughout Kansas during most of my life. My mother, she worked for Union Pacific Railroad, which allowed me to travel around the Midwest, namely Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, and St. Louis, Missouri. But ultimately, <clears throat> I ended up back in Kansas from about fourth grade onward. Now, thinking about dance and my earliest memories of dance, um, you know, I can't really pinpoint where, you know, I started to kind of, you know, move my body or, you know, call myself, you know, a dancer. But uh, I do remember my mother would always ask me to dance with her, right? So when her favorite song came on, it was usually an R&B song or a slow jam. She would say, hey son, you know, let's dance together. And she would make me, you know, slow dance with her, do the KC two-step, which I, I still can't do right, you know, now. Um, kind of embarrassing, but um, yeah, we'll put that as another episode at some other time. However, yeah, so she would make me dance with her and, uh, you know, that's how I feel I got my groove and start to understand like, you know, how to dance to the music, right? So these are my, my early days, uh, you know, elementary school growing up. And, you know, sometimes, you know, my cousins would have, you know, my older cousins would have music that they heard, you know, from their classmates and things like that. They would bring that, but it was more about just listening to music and kind of, you know, moving around. But when I got to junior high, this is when I really started to understand the importance of knowing how to dance for you know different social situations because we would have the the mixers right you know the seventh grade mixer where you know it's the start of the school year and everyone's getting to know each other and the school put on a little dance in the evening and we would go and listen to music and dance and this is when my uh, KC two-step skills came into play and I was able to you know dance with girls or just you know dance and groove in a cipher or, you know, just hang out. 
So that was a really cool experience and knowing that, okay, yeah, I, I can dance a bit and, you know, because of this skill, yeah, I can interact socially on a cool level. So again, junior high, toward the end of junior high, uh, we started to experience some teen clubs in the area, right? In Olathe, that's where I grew up, Olathe, Kansas. And we had this club called Guitars and Cadillacs. There's a couple other clubs um, we can get into, but Guitars and Cadillacs was like the main club that I, I, I went to with my group of friends because, you know, they allowed adults to be there and allowed them to drink. But, you know, underage people could come in as well, but we weren't allowed to drink alcohol, obviously. Now, if you know Kansas or Olathe in general, it's, you know, pretty segregated, meaning that, you know, you have your, your, your cowboys, you know, um, and you have just more of the, you know, the, the kids and the pop culture and things like that. So the good thing about guitars and Cadillacs at the time was that they played both types of music. So they would have the country music pop in with the line dances and we all joined in because in Kansas, actually line dancing is a class. So we all had our line dance going on and also the hip-hop the r&b you know the top 100 pop stuff would also play so you had this nice cool mix of people interacting and dancing and so then at that time you know again i'm dancing you know hanging out grooving but it's mostly to interact with people you know meet girls and things like that but in the club at the time my homie shugizi shout out to shugizi because he was always asking me hey i some yo let's let's bust this routine you know what i'm saying and i, I would engage him a little bit, you know, he'd be like, hey man, you know, uh, you can dance like the way you dance, you know, let's, let's, let's hang out and stuff. But, you know, I was mostly into sports and, you know, girls, you know, as we all are at that time. Uh, he was in hip hop, you know? I didn't really understand how deep until, you know, afterwards I came to Japan and learned a lot more about the culture, but shout out to Shug Easy because he is, you know, I would say my godfather, my OG when it comes to just being, uh, introduced to hip-hop and just the culture in general. So shout out to Shugizi. So then, again, guitars and Cadillacs, we're dancing, we're having, hanging out, having a good time. But again, I wouldn't consider myself a dancer, it's just more like American culture, right? We go to the bars, we hang out, everybody's kind of like moving to the music and grooving or whatever. Fast forward, I go to university. Uh, my university was in Iowa, Grinnell College. Shout out to Grinnell College, the pioneers. And there we got a huge mix of people from all over the world and all over the United States. Small school, but we had a lot of cool cultures mixed together in that, in that small uh, liberal arts space. And of course we had dancing parties and dancing events. Um, I often, you know, help organize a couple of dance events, you know, my birthday party and such. And of course we were there, you know, shaking it up, dancing to the music we liked to, but again, didn't consider myself a dancer, just more like, yeah, I like to dance, I like music. But then again, at this time, I started to get offers from different, you know, peers about, hey, why don't you join this dance group or this dance routine we're doing or this dance performance? Um, I also had a summer job in New York where some of the teachers there invited me to organize and dance a, a play we were putting on for you know, the camp at the time. So again, I guess people started to recognize I had some rhythm, I had some kind of, you know, skill for dance, so they would invite me. And of course I would do it 
all in good fun. But it wasn't until I came to Japan to where I really understood what dancing was or what a dancer was and what hip hop dance was all about. So about the time I'm graduating Grinnell, this is 2004 in the spring, I'm hanging out, you know, having a few drinks, and I'm going to a baseball game with some of my other peers at the time, classmates at the time. And one of my good friends, Ken Heiser, who is living in Japan now at the moment, still one of my best friends. At the time, you know, we're talking about what we're gonna do after graduation, and he's like, yeah, man, I'm gonna teach English in Japan. You should join and sign up. And I'm like, Japan? Yo. That would be dope. I had no kind of like, you know, image of Japan. I had no kind of, you know, interaction. I mean, I had some Japanese, you know, kind of, you know, not, not friends, but there's a couple exchange students that I knew from you know, high school, but I didn't know what Japan was. And again, it's kind of hard to imagine something halfway across the world in a different culture and different people. But, you know, you always had this image of Japan as being, you know, ahead of the times in terms of technology um, and just uh, a super cool place to want to visit. So I'm like, okay. I um, already had a job lined up. I was working uh, as a uh, campaign organizer for the congressman in Kansas, 3rd District of Kansas. Uh, shout out to Dennis Moore. Uh, and I had a job, but I thought, let me just sign up with this English teaching thing in Japan as a backup just in case, you know, I want to try something new. So that's what I did. Um, the time I went online, signed up to be a NOVA instructor. Shout out to NOVA. Uh, at the time, they were giving out visas like hotcakes. <laughs> so I signed up online, went to the interview at the embassy in Chicago, got the job, and said, you know, if I go, uh, I want to go in about, uh, let's say, a year's time or so, just to kind of fill out how the... Uh, job in politics was going to work out. So I graduate, uh, start my job as a campaign outreach director or organizer for Dennis Moore. He wins the election. I then transition into start working with him in his uh, constituent services office. And that was a great time. I learned a great bit, but I still had this feeling like, yeah, you know what? I want to go out to Japan, you know? I feel like it'd be a great opportunity to learn Japanese, even though I had no idea what that meant at the time, but also travel around Asia and just, you know, get some perspective on the United States and, you know, the political situation at the time, because this was 2004, mind you, where, you know, Bush was running for his second term. There's a lot of things going on. We had just entered, you know, I guess our first year into the war in Iraq. And so, again, I wanted to kind of get out, get some perspective, and I thought Japan would be a great place to do that. So. In March of 2005, I decided to head to Japan. But before I went, I specifically told Nova that I wanted to go to the countryside of Japan. I wanted to go to the sticks. I mean, straight up, nothing around, just because I wanted to understand Japanese culture from a very kind of basic level. You know, going right into Tokyo, you know, there's so much, inf you know, foreign influence and it's hard to learn Japanese. It's just so much easier to not learn Japanese in Tokyo. I thought, let me go from a base and really kind of like ease my way into the culture. So that's what I did. And upon researching Shimane, I figured, wow, this place is amazing. It's perfect for me. Why? Well, in Shimane, there's this 
shrine called Izumo Taisha. And according to Japanese mythology, every year around October, according to their old calendar, all of the gods from the prefectures all congregate and meet here. So I thought this is perfect, right? My birthplace in Japan will be Shimane, which is the birthplace of Japan, according to Japanese mythology. And they all meet around October, which is the month my birthday's in. So perfect, right? This is like destiny. I'm on point. I'm in my spiritual mindset. So I go to Shimane. I arrive in Japan, but to go to Shimane, I don't fly into Tokyo. I fly into Osaka. And this is, you know, kind of early evening in Osaka. We get off the plane. We're going through the train stations. And the first thing that made an impression on me was all of the dancers that were dancing in the street, you know, dancing in the station, you know, using the, you know, the size of the buildings as mirrors. And I was like, damn, like they're out here getting it. Like nobody's bothering them. The police aren't telling them to move. And from what I could see at the time, they're pretty freaking good. Obviously, you know, I'm walking with my group and we're hustling to our hotel, but I was like, wow, this is amazing. Right? So anyways, you know, leave that in the back of my mind. You know, I'm in Japan now. I'm super excited about what's going on. So, you know, I get to my hotel, put my things down, but I have a little bit of jet lag. So I'm up, I'm ready to go. I head onto the streets of Dotonbori, right? And this is about to say 10, 11 o'clock at night. In Kansas City, you know, this is the time where stuff is popping, right? It's prime time because the clubs end, you know, around, bars end, clubs end around one o'clock. But, you know, so I'm thinking, okay, this is my mindset. So I go walk around Dotonbori and I hear some music coming out of this club. I walk downstairs, there's nobody there. I was like, you know, y'all playing the right music, but the, the customers aren't here. So I'm like, what's going on? So I. At the time, I, obviously, I couldn't speak any Japanese, and the employee they were telling me basically, I think you know, come back later or something like that. There'll be people here, but I couldn't really grasp that concept because you know I'm thinking it's already, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Nobody's going to be here, so I go out. I start walking around again, and I get approached by you know a young dude speaks a little bit of English, and he's like, hey, you know, you know, how are you doing, you know? What are you doing here? I'm like, yeah, I just got here today. I'm excited to be in Japan. He's like, oh, cool, man. Like, you know, you want to like, you know, talk to some girls or something like that? I'm like, yeah, that would be pretty neat. You know what I mean? So he's like, all right, follow me. Follow him. We walk to the spot where I guess he worked. And I walk in and I look around and I'm like, everybody, literally everybody is wearing a prom dress hair done up, like, like they're literally going to prom. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. You know, he sits me down and two young ladies come and sit next to me. You know, they're like, you want a drink? I'm like, yeah, you know, I have a drink or whatever. Start drinking, start talking. You know, they spoke a bit of English. You know, obviously I'm speaking in Japanese. So we're just kind of like, you know, smiling and batting eyes at each other, whatever. And they asked me, oh, can we drink? And I'm like, well, hell yeah. Who am I to stop an adult from having an adult beverage? Of course you can have a drink. You know, I thought, you know, Japanese people are so polite, you know. I'm like, wow, they even ask you if they can drink just so they don't disrespect you, you know, or, or the vibe. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. So we're all drinking, having a good time. And 
they give me their business cards. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I can just, you know, call you up and, you know, say, hey, how you doing? Let's go on a date or something. They leave. The other two girls come in. I'm like, damn, this is wild. Like, having a great time drinking. Everybody's drinking. It's just like, okay. But then, you know, after, I guess, two or three hours pass by, the same young men that approached me from uh, on the street says, hey, you know, kind of like you got to leave kind of thing. He's like ushering me out, but I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to leave yet. You know what I mean? But he's kind of like, oh, you know, we're going through this kind of like body language kind of thing where, you know, okay, I got to leave kind of thing. So he walks me to the front door and they present me the bill and it's Saman Gosein. Now, to be fair, two, three hours in that situation, rotation of girls, everybody's drinking, they're drinking. They could have charged me a lot more than that to be straight up honest. However, they probably saw that uh, I didn't have much money, so they're like, let's get him up out of here and just get what we can. So some Mongosian, let's say it's about, you know, 300 US, okay? I didn't have that much. I, mean, I had money, but that was a large chunk of the savings I brought just to kind of like, you know, get started here in Japan. But, you know, I paid it, obviously. But at that moment, I realized I got to learn Japanese. Like, I cannot just be walking around here, walking to random places, not knowing what's going on. Yeah, I gotta learn Japanese or this situation could happen uh, over and over again on different levels, right? Still learning Japanese uh, at, at the moment, 17 years later, but that's another story. So anyways, the next day, we hop on our bullet train, Shinkansen, go to Hiroshima, and I get on a bus to go to Shimane. All the travel, you know, just being tired, being in a new space, you know, I got kind of sick, you know, caught a little cold. And I arrived at my apartment in Shimane and I had a roommate. He was from Ireland, his name is Peter. Shout out to Peter, uh, great dude. He took care of me, right? You know, took me to my room, you know, I'm resting in my bed. He made me a meal, some hot soup. And uh, basically I rested that particular night we met, the first night. Woke up the next day and, you know, we're talking. He's like, yeah, so I said, what are you trying to do out here? I'm like, I want to learn Japanese. He's like, okay, well, learn this. Bust out, notepad, paper, a, e, u, e, o, the pronunciations, and how to write it in hiragana and katakana. From that day forth, I learned hiragana and katakana, because at least then I knew I could read. And the cool thing about it is, it's everywhere. It's on the signs, everywhere you go to the restaurant, it's everywhere. So whatever, you know, row I was learning that day, I would just look everywhere and try to point it out. So I learned hiragana and katakana in about two weeks, two and a half weeks. It was very, very short time because I was writing every day. I was looking around every day. I was on point with it. Again, shout out to Peter, my first Japanese teacher who basically, you know, uh, inspired me and pushed me to learn uh, the basics of Japanese. And then again, at this time, you know, I haven't seen any dancers in Shimane. Um, you know, I'm living my life. I'm learning Japanese. I'm meeting cool friends in Shimane and having a great time. It wasn't until I went to Tokyo to visit my friend Ken, who originally introduced me to the concept of coming to Japan, that I started to get a different type of vibe and energy from Japan, specifically coming from Tokyo. So. The next episode, I'll go into more detail about this first trip to Japan, I'm sorry, this first trip to Tokyo and how 
that made me more inspired to want to move to Tokyo. After living in Shimane for about six months or so, I was invited to take a trip to Tokyo by my friend Ken Heiser, who I mentioned um, before, you know, the person who basically inspired me to come to Japan. So I get invited, I go, we have a great time. And during this time, the, the popular music, what was popping at the time was Def Tech, right? So this is kind of like, you know, uh, Japan and English fusion of music and beats and, and energy, was, it was awesome. So we're going to karaoke, we're going to like Yakatabune, which is like, you know, these boat cruises where you wear like the traditional Japanese like summertime uh, dress or garb uh, and have, you know, go drinking with friends. So great time, summertime in Tokyo. And instantly I knew, wow, I, I have to be here. The pace, the heartbeat of the city was like, yeah, my vibe and my speed. And I knew that for me to really, you know, kind of spread my wings in Japan, I need to be in Tokyo. I moved back, I'm sorry, I go back to Shimane. That week I put in my, you know, 30 days notice and say, yep, I'm moving to Tokyo and gonna see what happens. At the time, Nova was going through a little bit of financial difficulties, a little bit of like, you know, scandal going on with Nova. And I saw the writing on the wall, so I thought, okay, this is a perfect opportunity for me to move to Tokyo with a different company, you know, use my paid vacation days and set up shop. Luckily, I was able to live with Ken, my homie, because his roommate, Paul, was moving out, so it was a perfect, perfect timing for me to, to move and really establish myself. However, upon moving to Tokyo, there's a lot of things that happened, including the kind of bad situation with Nova, so I went through a few struggles. In the next episode, I'm gonna talk about my struggles in Tokyo and how I came in contact with the hip-hop dance scene during this time. All right, so stay tuned. My name is Ison Winton, your host for the ABCD, All Black People Can't Dance podcast. Check it out, stay tuned, and we'll be back. Peace.